the best rugby insight and analysis. OTB Sports Rugby. How, how would you argue if Johnny Sexton was to go and win a World Cup with Ireland and lead them to it that he wouldn't be the greatest? Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. You're so unexpected. You had to be there. Covering Celtic at that time was a brilliant thing. The atmosphere at Parkhead was always great. You had to be there. Nobody ever talks about this game. Nobody saw it. Uh, you had to be there. So this is the latest episode of You Had to Be There, and I'm delighted to say Rory O'Connor, rugby journalist with the Irish Independent, is with us. Rory, I'm, I'm um, a little bit shocked. There's no Bohemians on this. Yeah, yeah. Well, Colin kind of did say, you know, your, your best five rugby moments, and I haven't gone all five uh, rugby. Um, I'm pretty blessed. I think that like my dad took me to everything when I was a kid, so I've been at incredible sporting events. And I know this isn't about the event or the the kind of the moment, but it's about an individual's performance within that. So I kind of stuck to some professional kind of you know four of my picks were games I covered as as a journalist and then the fifth is a game that I attended as a kid um, yeah I was trying to think of an individual Bowes one or even a Dublin one because you know I've been at most of Dublin's All-Ireland wins and stuff like that and I couldn't partly it's my just really bad memory yeah, of actually picking out individual <laughs> performances and games and going god what was I at that um, and part yourself. of it was you know just I, I suppose I probably pay attention more when I'm working on a game so things stand out more so partly kind of trying to be professional and picking four rugby ones and partly the fact that I yeah individual performance for both I remember great moments I remember great games but actually picking out one player who dominated the game in the way that these five examples are uh, is probably tricky enough it's probably when you're a sports journalist as well you've been to so many games and so many different codes that it's kind of like Woodstock you're like was I was I at that game <laughs> yeah well it's also I played rugby for about 15 years and probably drank a lot more than I should as well so I think my brain cells have turned to mush so it's actually <laughs> and I think I, I don't know if you guys feel the same way but I've, maybe it's the amount of sport we watch as well but like every kind of blur, blurs into one and my, like my first pick is a goal in 1996 in a, in a Premier League game in a time where a good goal like lived for a whole season whereas now a good goal barely lasts a weekend yeah. so I think everything's kind of mushed into one and I do player ratings for Mondays in though after international games and I think that actually forced me to go back and watch the game through the prism of performance and that probably is the reason I remember individual performances and also I have to come in here and talk about it and you know write you about it all notes. week yeah, I actually, notes, yeah, maybe I should start just taking notes maybe that's where <laughs> I need to start um, but the, like the fact you do take notes on, on matches means that you probably have better recall of them um, so let's start right? okay. yeah. Georgie Concladzi Man City versus Southampton on the 16th of March 1996 what's yeah. special about this? Well, the goal, I think, and again, the, uh, I probably misread Colin, the producer's text, when he first said it, and I was thinking about moments or kind of uh, things you're at, and like, I randomly found myself in Main Road in 19, March we, 1996. We all thought it was just moments, don't worry. But yeah, yeah, well, I did initially, and then I, the, I missed it, but I, I kind of wanted to keep this one, because partly because I don't think there's many people who are going to come in and say they were, there's not many people who can say they were there on the day that Georgie Gonkladze scored one of the great Premier League goals, um, and... Once I then had to talk about it, I've kind of been looking at it a lot this morning at kind of what happened on, on the day. And he did, like, you know, the highlights are pretty much all Kinkladze. But for some reason, so my, sorry, the, the reason is my dad, I was a Liverpool fan when I was a kid. My dad was a Chelsea fan. Liverpool were playing Chelsea in Anfield. And we picked this as like, my first game to go to. Like, I've been obsessed with Liverpool as a kid. Um, we booked the, I can't remember, it was a ferry or flights, but we went to, we went, stayed in Chester, but we couldn't get tickets for Liverpool. And like, we were trying, we, were at the, we went to Anfield the day before, went to the shop. You know, begged them for tickets, but we couldn't get tickets for this game. I think it was the day Patrick Berger scored three goals okay. against Chelsea. I may be wrong about that, but um, 
so we were, like, we were like we were in England anyway. And Manchester's not that far away, and City were playing Southampton. So my dad said, "No problem. Will we go to this. To this. No yeah. problem. Absolutely no." There's the year City got relegated, so we uh, drove the main road that morning, picked up a couple of tickets at the box office, went along. I was I think I was wearing my Liverpool away kit underneath my Liverpool. I had all David James's goalkeeper jerseys, and I had to. And my dad was like, "We're going into the city because it's outside main road." I think it's obviously all changed now at the Eddie Had and the Glitz, and City was a very different place. They kind of had a working men's club. Outside, where we went for a drink beforehand, and Dad was like, "Make sure you zip up your coat because you know they're not going to like the fact you're wearing Liverpool kit." But they were really welcoming, and they, you know, once you realised they were really friendly, kind of told them the story. They kind of laughed about it. We went in; the atmosphere was great. The match was terrible. It was like I've been watching highlights this morning. It was classic nineties um, midwinter, well, spring, but like the pitch had shown were showing the effect of midwinter, yeah. midwinter, and. Um, this guy and again like I wasn't a City fan while I was obsessed with football you know I knew a, a, a number of the characters on the pitch like Dave Besson was in goal for Southampton Ken Moncow that kind of team Letizia was playing up front for them but I don't remember him doing an awful lot and I don't remember a lot of details out of the game as I was 13 but this goal he scored the first goal which was a tap in following in again I don't remember this I watched this on YouTube this morning to refresh my memory but he scores the first goal but this guy was just so much better than everyone else on the pitch yeah and the second goal, it actually didn't win goal of the season last season. Uh, Tony Yaboa won goal of the season oh, right. for the year, yeah, which, in fairness, was a was a pretty good goal. But I think this one's better. Um, I, I, I think certainly people are vintage will remember the goal. He picks up the ball outside the box, and he like this is before Messi. You know, it was Maradona esque, I suppose, at the time. He just leaves three Southampton defenders for dead without seeming to do an awful lot. Goes in, and then he just stops. And Besson moves first. He tricks Besson into it. And again, Messi made this his stock and trade. But at the time, it was just this incredible, um, just an incredible goal. He just dinks it over him and nonchalantly runs away. And um, you come to a game, like it's this kind of, you know, it's the any given Sunday thing. You know, anything can happen on any given Saturday. If you go to a stadium, <laughs> you know, you go to a film, you, you know what to expect. You go to a stadium, it might be the two worst teams in the world, but someone can do something magic and that that transcended the day you know it's something I'll always remember of, yeah. of a day that I don't really remember an awful lot from and then you're hooked for life that's it you're a football fan like, yeah I was already pretty hooked at that stage and I, you know I, City went down and I you know, I, I pretty much detest them now because of what they've become but I'll always like I really I, I always kind of had a soft spot for them after that day because of the main road experience and the friendliness of the people and because we saw something special and um, I suppose I actually had forgotten when I picked my picks. We went back to Liverpool the following year and saw them beat Middlesbrough five one, and Robbie Felder scored four goals that day. So that was okay. pretty good. Actually, Collymore was better. Right, I think he set up all four of the five right. on the day. That was a pretty good um, individual performance as well. But so I'd already sent my text. That's the season of the four three, is it? I think it would have been. Yeah, yeah. yeah when like I remember think, being frustrated by Collymore watching him on TV, and then you saw him in person. I was like, oh my god, this guy is yeah. obviously phenomenal. And obviously, Felder scored four goals, so that was a, a contender for my, my my list, I suppose. It's funny that like those memories of going to matches with your well, a lot of times with your dad or your brother or whatever, and the smoky, as you say, working clubs and and, and like bars before games and. Like there's something about that environment, especially back in the '90s and the noughties where you, you just never forget those moments. It kind of almost brings together your relationship with your dad in some ways, yeah. where you're like, "This is something I will never forget." Those games. Yeah, I think for a lot of people that that rings true. And my dad, I, I, I presume, it was just now that I have a kid myself, it was getting us out of the house. But we used to pack up every weekend. We used to go to Leinster Club Championship games across the. the the province we I've been to Ulster finals I've been to Munster championship games you know we just used to go to matches we used to go to all Dublin's home league, league and away game, home and away league games we'd go to Bowes home and away you know it was just something we did we went to matches and um, 
you know, I don't know how much he's much to spend on tickets over the years because we went to all the Ireland soccer games as well. So I've been at some amazing things. Tickets weren't um, ridiculous at that stage. No, they weren't. They you weren't. I've seen the prices for the autumn internationals that are coming up, and you're like, God, how do you, how do you afford to bring your family? To you this? can't. You know, it's it's a different it's a and different beast. I think the sport doesn't understand that. Like, you don't hook the the eight, nine, ten year olds if they're not at the games because watching on TV it's not the same. Yeah, and even like the idea. I mean, Liverpool Chelsea was sold out. That's what I was going to. But you could turn up at Main Road. I don't know how many I haven't tried to go to a Premier League game for a long time but I don't know how easy it is to turn up at say Brentford or something and pick up a ticket maybe it's better it's easier than a, than I think it is but it's um, it was like simpler times simpler times that's, yeah. Am I right in saying City were relegated from the Premier League? They were League? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Niall Quinn came off the bench that day I think that was the year they went to, went to the corner in the final game of the season when the, the bad information was coming through <laughs> um, it wasn't a memorable City team like you look at the list of players Uwe Rossler was up front Um but yeah. Kinkadze was kind of the, like even now there's, there's articles produced about how he was the shining light in this yeah. dark period and like he, I just looked at it. he has a Twitter account he hasn't used it since 2018 but he's clearly hitched himself to the uh, you know um, ambassador bandwagon he's still remembered and because they've so few great players that they can go back to yeah, yeah until the current generation retires there's a, he's one of the lads making a, making a bit of coin off it but why wouldn't he like he's he was a I got I didn't realize he played at Boca Juniors as a teenager. Did he? He was from Georgia. He ended up at right. Boca Juniors. He then he, he apparently announced himself onto the world. He, he scored, um, I, I think it was a hat trick in a five 0 win over Wales, where he lobbed Neville Southill from the edge of the box, like an absolute wonder strike. City apparently had already been watching him. They brought him in. It was part of that vanguard of of first overseas players, non-Irish or British players, yeah. to come to the Premier League. It was a pretty exciting time, and. Um, yeah, although it's like you know, it's just a moment. Like it's just this incredible goal, and I think even now, sated and all as we are by the goals that we see on a weekly basis, um, it was just an incredible, incredible finish. And again, looking at the highlights, it's like it vindicated my choice because he does basically everything the city do well in the game. We even found a picture of him with a black armband for the week that's in it. <laughs> oh, absolutely fitting. <laughs> <laughs> Figure out who that's for. Um, okay, uh, Rob Carney, the Lions versus South Africa, June twenty fourth, two thousand and nine. Yeah, this was one I... So I, I quit a job in a bank and became a journalist and went on this tour as my first assignment as a freelance. Um, I was going anyway as a fan and I said, and Dan McDonald, who's a good friend of mine, suggested, why don't you try and pick up a bit of work? And I did. So I was in Loftus Versfeld on the second test, um, having covered the full tour, but also had a group of mates kind of that I could go to in, in between games. and was having a great time. But... Uh, Again, you pick these things and you go, God, was it as good as uh, as I thought it was? And I went back and like, there's a, helpfully there's a YouTube video. It's like Rob Kearney, greatest Lions performance of all time. And it's just all his little, little moments in the game. And um, it's any excuse. I know you had this on your classic games club um, with Brian O'Driscoll, um, who apart, until he got knocked out by his own bravery, you know, trying to tackle Danny Russo and, you know, the boat got knocked out. Um played a major part in this game and a lot of players played really well because it's one of the greatest games of rugby of all time it's the most brutal game it's seen it's still seen as the most brutal game of all time but Carney kind of rose above he that's, he was helped I think just watching the clips so, like Ruan Pinar started at 10 for the box that day and their kicking strategy was to kick long to Rob Carney which maybe shows that they didn't do a lot of research um, he had come into the tour he'd missed I think he was on the bench for the Dining Cup final Leinster's first win he'd had mumps I mean, one of the one of the highlights of the tour from media point of view was um, 
Hugh Faraday from the Indo, I think it was, asking young Rob Carney, who was uh, who, who was a good-looking chap around UCD at the time, how do you contract mumps? <laughs> and the entire press back giggling away and Carney trying to keep a straight face. But he had mumps and it interrupted the season. And he came in, I think, behind Lee Byrne. Lee Byrne started the first test. And Lee Byrne was just on, on top of his game. He, yeah, and the Welsh, I think, always have a head start in these things. But Carney, Byrne got injured. Carney came on and helped change that first test. But the second test, he was... Just magnificent, and you know, again, I, Conor Murray's one of my picks later on. He's one of the as these players get older and probably become more conservative and have injuries and things, they become almost people want to get them out of the team. But when you look at how good Carney was at that time in his career in '09, he was phenomenal. He scores a try, he wins everything in the air, he runs it back with venom, he causes the Springboks all sorts of problems, and it, you know. He was brilliant in Chicago when Ireland beat New Zealand in 2016, but I think that was um, the day he will probably look back on. Maybe you know, I'm speaking for him. I don't know, but you know that that was the day that everything clicked for him. And, and in it, in a defeated team, he was just magnificent. It showed that he was world class. Yeah, and that's you know it's very rare that we we don't get that many world class performances from Irish players, particularly in a moment of crisis. Sure, yeah, and it's hard to dominate a game of rugby. It's hard when there's 30 players on the pitch and it's such a cohesive game to shine so bright and that's one of the challenges I had with this was you know I wasn't there when I just scored his hat-trick in, in 2000 that obviously if I was that would, that would be there I wasn't in New Zealand last summer or last summer, so I'm sure there would be individual performances from that um, I wasn't in North, at Northampton Leinster and you know Sexton would clearly be there if, if I was but um, these are games that I was actually at and, and I just even again you go back and you watch it just to justify it and Stuart Barnes was just like this guy everything he touches turns to gold it was uh, it was a phenomenal phenomenal performance in it like I can't explain how ferocious Loftus Versfeld was that day it was <laughs> I mean Chuck Berger got so carried away he gouged Luke Fitzgerald in the first minute it was hot and heavy it was dirty it was intense it was everything a Lions test can be when when things get heavy and he just a bit like Bowden Barrett against Ireland in 2013 not 2013 2016 when everyone was beating the crap out of each other and he scored he just waltzed through gaps and just yeah. played a different sport to everyone else that's one that could have made my list um, Carney was magnificent that day. I'd forgotten the halftime score as well 16-8 to the Lions like you forget you nearly forget because they lost oh, the game ultimately it. like the game was oh they had them at arm's length the whole the the, the whole first hour and it was before the bomb squad the South Africans unloaded their bench Lions lost both their starting props they lost O'Driscoll all to injuries and like it was a bloodbath apparently the dressing room afterwards I was in the team hotel that night because we ended up having dinner in the team hotel and like there was a group going out but it was a small group there was just walking wounded everywhere lads knew their chores were over it was it was grim um, and obviously to finish everything about it was so dramatic the, the drop goal sorry not the drop goal the the, 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 the kick in the Actually, just before the infamous, which Ronald Gara won't thank me for bringing up again, but the infamous up and under, which I think Tommy Bow didn't chase properly, um, Carney gets the ball in a similar situation and actually kicks an unbelievable kick. He kicked a couple of what will be 50-22s now in the second half. He had unbelievable composure when the game was getting away from the Lions. He was still doing the right thing at the right times as others lost their heads around them. It was um, it was an incredible, incredible and it, it, it matched to be at the try from Jack Furry was incredible and then the, the kick to win it was just 
and just what a moment it's yeah. good that individual performances on losing teams aren't forgotten like I guess Shane Walsh this year in the All-Ireland final is one that maybe over time people will realise okay he lost the game but was absolutely immaculate similarly for Carney like maybe over the passage of time you remember the individual performances and losing games sometimes they, they actually live with me longer and I have another one on this list that, that will will come to I'm sure but I remember Jamie Heaslip who was much maligned as an Ireland captain he led Ireland in the 2015 quarterfinal against Argentina and I thought in a team that stank the joint out that day he kept playing all day 2019 quarter final against New Zealand Peter Omani who again I've been critical of over the years he was the one who carried the fight to New Zealand over and over again even when everyone around them was losing their heads he was the one who dragged Ireland and Ireland were still in both of those games for a while through the force of will of those players Sean O'Brien in 2013 when Ireland lost to New Zealand like that that was very close to making this list he was magnificent that day and and was very, you know these are players that are very unlucky to be on the losing side so it is I don't know does it live with me more but uh, yeah it's a strange one the next one is Paul O'Connell actually and it is a game we lose um, this is March 15, 2015 Ireland against Wales um Wales 23, Ireland 16. What was it about Paul O'Connell's performance that day? It was his 100 cap and he was the captain. And I'd say, just counting them down, he probably played another five games for Ireland before his body gave up on him in that horrible moment when Pascal Pape hit him from the side in, in the same stadium. And again, I picked this and then I went back and watched it afterwards because I was like, God, is your mind playing tricks on it? And it was just the day that Paul O'Connell made a couple of line breaks and you remember those. But it was a day where everything went against Ireland. Um, they went 3-6-9-12 down because Wayne Barnes started policing the breakdown in a way that Ireland weren't expecting. It was one of the days where Gatland got into Ireland's heads. Every power play they tried to play, Wales were jockeying them off the ball. They were making sure that the, whatever line Ireland were trying to run, Wales were just basically upsetting them. And it was the, one of the days where the Joe Schmidt system failed. And Sexton had a bad day. He missed a really kickable kick. He um, put a restart straight in the touch he, at one stage Jamie Hissop throws the ball to him and he's not looking and hits him on the back of the head right. it's just one of those days where everything's going against Ireland and midway through the first half you know that this is not going to be their day and they won their first three games in the Six Nations it's O'Connell's 100 cap if they win they have Scotland the way to win a Grand Slam the following week and through his own force of will O'Connell drags them into the game and he um there were the two standout moments are two line breaks one is off a sexton in, inside pass I can't remember how the second one materialises early in the second half but they are key key moments in terms of just changing the momentum of the game at a time where it's gone and Ireland end up camped they score a penalty they, they go two scores down with about 10 minutes to go and they score a penalty try through a mall which O'Connell's obviously fundamentally part of so their line goes to crap as well best throw starts going wobbly and, and all sorts is going wrong and I don't know if Paul O'Connell looks back on his performance with any great fondness um, but it's one of those captain's days where you can see his influence in the team and if you I, I flicked through it last night just to try and validify my own choice he's everywhere He's just, I don't know, is it because he stands out because he's hes tall, bald, and he looks really much older than all the other players on the pitch. It's weird. But he's everywhere. His energy levels for a guy of his, you know, the amount of miles under the clock were incredible. The, the condition he was in. And they're on the Welsh line. They lose a line out. Sam Warburton, of all people, who won man in the match on the day, he was brilliant as well, picks them off. And they get another line out. And they maul all the way to the Welsh line. And the Welsh pull it down. And Wayne Barnes doesn't give the try. And it should have been a draw if Sexton kicks the oh no, Sexton was gone I think Madigan would have had to kick the conversion to draw it but O'Connell was just the fulcrum of all of that good work it was an incredible individual performance in the feet and I didn't realise that they, so it should have been a draw right 
Yeah, at the time you would have read because we would have been talking about it all week. Okay. And it, like, you know, Schmidt went mad about it. But they had a better chance two minutes beforehand and, and their line-out, the, the throw went, was picked off by Warburton. So again, there was things in their own control. There was another moment earlier in the game where they had the ball at the base of a rook and they had a five-man overlap and they went they went tight. It was all the things that... That 25-15 Joe Schmidt team was quite conservative. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at times they opened up, you know, Chicago we're going to talk about later they opened up but at that time they were quite conservative they were still it was life after Darcy O'Driscoll it was Henshaw and Payne in their first season they were still finding their way and they won the Six Nations that year they went and won it the following week but it should have been a Grand Slam because it was one of those magnificent Ireland-Wales bloody blood and thunder Welsh defensive efforts Scotland gets one over Schmidt you know, in, in the cauldron it's, it's, it, it was a tale as old as time but he tried to change the narrative. He, he failed, but he did everything he physically could to do it. It's funny you're talking about Ireland being camped in there um, in the Welsh half. Like reading the match report here, Connell a break from Paul O'Connell sparked a lengthy 32 phase period of pressure. Yeah. Ireland 15-9 down at that point. Yeah. And obviously and, Wales held out. And Wales, well, they held out by conceding a penalty. Yeah. And then they got another 10 or 11 phases, in which time they had basically the ball. Keane Healy has the ball in his hands, and there are just green jerseys outside him, and he picks and goes. And at the time, it was a big talking point that Ireland were just not able to have any vision in the 22, and Schmidt hated that criticism. And it was a big thing at the time. And Ireland struggled in Cardiff under Joe uh, in those big Six Nations games, and it was like it's a difficult place to go. It was a great Welsh team. You look at the names in that Welsh pack, and like in fairness, if if we were on a Welsh show now, we'd be talking about the incredible defensive effort. Yeah, but. Ireland should have lost that game by 20-30 points if it wasn't for I believe O'Connell there's also uh, Gatland was an evil genius which oh, we, we, we refuse to accept that in Ireland because you know uh, it's like it was always against us his his most evil deeds were um, I think the English would say that you know, he was able to pull a few stro- uh, things about, uh, against them as well but he did he had a great capacity to get under Schmidt's skin yeah we should, we should kind of love that. Warren Gatland for what he's like. I think in time you know <laughs> yeah. I, I think the place is duller without him you oh, know? He, was, and, and he was a worthy adversary like he, he raised yeah. the standards with a great backstory as all great you know great villains should have so yeah. it's uh, no, it made it all this like, all, all the more kind of every Wells game at that time, especially over there because they weren't never that great in Dublin. No, Cardiff, and reason. it's such a great place to watch a match. Wayne yeah. Barnes was definitely another villain that day. You mentioned his name, like O'Connell's quotes afterwards. He says, "We gave ourselves a lot to do early in the game with some of the penalties given away and the referee's interpretation, which was a polite way of saying Wayne Barnes." Yeah, <laughs> well, he just policed them in a way that they hadn't been policed all season, and I presume they were brief beforehand, but they didn't adapt at all, and they found themselves. I think they went 15-3 down uh, Lee Halfpenny kicked kicked all the points and then they were chasing and Ireland weren't good at chasing at that time but because O'Connell was on the f- pitch it gave them a chance Wasn't there a stat that we hadn't ever won a game from behind for a long period of time It was like One a, stage, a 25 yeah, game yeah. run We were very good at getting ahead though you know Ireland were under Schmidt like, it, that was his template was to, that was the 3-6-9 then score a try but that was his template and yeah. Gatland almost used it against them and it was so smart like you look at you can see them setting up for these plays and the Welch are like barreling them in off the ball and you could see Joe going mad up in the, in the Coaching, coaching box but he had a captain on the pitch who was like we all know again you're talking about a player who was a second row second rows I've, I know I have two on this list but it's hard for a second row to stand out in a game particularly a hard working second row like that but you know I would say it was one of his signature performances even though it was in defeat Alright Conor Murray's next and this is Ireland versus New Zealand to win <laughs> 2016 this is uh, Soldier Field right Soldier Field yeah a, a game that seems to have like I just constantly hear people diminishing it as a as a thing I think possibly because it wasn't on free to air TV in Ireland and a lot of people didn't see it it was late at night and because it was a weekend all-backs team not because of 
selection issues, but because um, they had injuries. It was in Chicago. There was an AIG gig, and they're sponsored by AIG, and they had to do a couple of commercial things. But I interviewed the captain the day before the game. He turned up at a big kind of um, corporate thing. So Kieran Reid, Malky Fakatoa, and Ryan Crotty were at a, an AIG gig the day before the game, which would be very unusual. So yeah, maybe their eyes were taken off the ball. But again, watching it back last night, like they. They didn't want to lose that game. It's not as if they gave, they handed Ireland an easy first win after a hundred odd years. No. Um, and Murray's performance within that was phenomenal. I think it's. I don't know how many times I've done it. I should probably keep a record of these things. But I gave him ten out of ten in, in the Monday's paper. Um, and again, you go back and you're Jesus. Did I, you know? Did I get carried away by the excitement of it all? <laughs> and I watched it. I flicked through it last night, and you know, you forget. Johnny Sexton went off 20 minutes to go and Joey Carby comes on for his debut so Murray's basically playing with a, new, a newbie beside him and he guides him through it so well he scores a magnificent try in the first half his, again it's a reminder of how good he was because he's yeah. in that Rob Kearney bracket now of people wishing him out of the team and you've got Craig Casey you've got other players coming along Gibson Parks knocked him out of the team so he's he's hanging on in there he's a veteran now and people don't see him as a fashionable um, option and he's still a very good player although you know he could speed things up and maybe you could do it watching what he was like in 2016 and trying to get back to that level because he was able to do it all back then he was up against Aaron Smith who I think everyone saw as the best player, best scrum half in the world at the time. Smith had been through a bit of a, a crisis. He'd been caught in the bathroom in, in flagrante in a, on All Blacks duty and it had been on the front pages of all the papers and his status had been diminished a little bit and he wasn't as good as he he was before and he became afterwards. But like Murray dominated him from start to finish. His try is just a moment of brilliant opportunism. He actually steps inside Smith to score it um, and he just looks imperious. He looks so... Uh, at ease with himself across the 80 minutes and at the end after kind of hand-holding Carberry through his debut and, and taking over the kicking for some of the things he kicks a goal to put Ireland as the All Blacks storm back you know as everyone says everyone here seems to remember here yeah. it comes oh yeah absolutely everyone seems to remember this is an easy day for Ireland that you oh. know they, they came back really strong and, and I actually rewritten my match reports to say Ireland blow chance yeah, yeah. Um, I too beside each other ready to use one because yeah, that's, that's what you have to do and Murray kicks a penalty and then when when they move left off that scrum, Zebo kicks ahead. Um, Savea and Fekatoa um, do an interchange in their own in their own behind their own line. It's Murray who chases the kick. He he passes off the right hand scrum. They go up the left, and it's Murray who nails uh, Julian Savea behind his own line with an unbelievable tackle that forces the scrum. Then and he gives the pass to Robbie Henshaw to score the try to break that, that breaks a hundred years of history and wins the game. And while the narrative has changed since and Ireland have beaten them was it four times since or three times no four times since in probably six games that you had to win you had to win the first one that was the most important one to win and, and I think Chicago shouldn't be diminished and certainly Murray's performance within that was phenomenal the geography adds to it like Soldier Field Chicago obviously it, it's going to live at, for me and Jared does because we were there yeah, I think really. for <laughs> some people it, it, like, it was obviously big but like genuinely it was on air and, and a lot of people didn't have air at the time if you had Virgin you couldn't watch air and, and it was on late at night so it yeah. didn't have the same the, 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 the I don't know what the word is that the, the transcendent Experience that you have watching something on on either version or RT because it's free and it's there. So I do think, but I, like 
as a, like it was amazing. It was Soldier Field, and it was iconic. Like I, I, it was you know it was the closest thing to Italian or sorry uh, to World Cup '94, I think, than that we <laughs> that I ever got because I never I didn't get there. So you're right. Like as a venue, it was amazing. Good night out, lads, in Chicago that night. Pretty good, yeah. I had yeah. a great week that night. I was working uh, like cause suddenly I went from like having a match report and a few bits to do to a twelve page <laughs> pull out to, for the following Monday. But the week was was fun. I remember a steak dinner there at one stage. Oh was, yeah, because uh, the Cubs steakhouse. The Cubs won the World Series. Like, I went to see the Bears on the Monday. It was oh, an incredible yes, week. Right. So I met, we 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 uh, we had a good time. But yeah, that night, yeah, work took over that night. Well, I wasn't quite able to celebrate it, but I'm sure everyone else did. We did. We did. <laughs> I, lost, I lost a coat and keys that night. Um, uh, I still follow the Chicago Cut Steakhouse on Instagram. They're a very good follow and um, very nice people. An excellent there. restaurant. Yeah, recommend. The sides are amazing. Yes. Um, the players were staying in Trump's. Um, hotel which has like a giant emblazoned gold trump it's on a, a a massive skyscraper and it was the weekend before uh, before the election and I just had this terrible feeling I remember like uh, this isn't going to be this straightforward because Hillary was 10 points ahead at that yeah because I, like, uh, I stayed on an extra day afterwards so I stay, I think I didn't fly till Tuesday so on the Monday everyone had left so the show so the, the previous week the Cubs won the World Series it was an incredible parade through the city oh, like watching the Cubs win the World Series I, didn't, I don't care about baseball I don't yeah. know that, but suddenly I was a massive Cubs fan I remember when they, they, they won it I was like Can't understand, roaring like, bad wagon it, it, yeah. it, so oh, absolutely. It, was, it was a bit like the Queen's funeral in terms of crowds on the streets and we were watching nice. it, I was watching it from Trump, from Trump Tower with Rory Best going this is, this is you on Monday back and like, like joking to him he was like I wish and like the we were watching it from above from Trump Tower where Ireland were doing our media and it was just thronged it was incredible you're right it was I think there was something like 6 million on the streets or something it was ridiculous, something yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. and then they were breaking a curse that was 100 years old yeah just like, like us and then and then the mayo of then of the, the rugby show yeah the, well, like, yeah, even more like, it's a lot longer than yeah. mayo you know um, and for a big franchise in a big city like it meant everything to them so yeah the show left town on the Sunday and I stayed on until Monday and I was doing an architecture tour on the boat through Chicago and the weather was amazing that week it, it was it, yeah. it was November in Chicago but it was like sun shining and that night I got a taxi back to the airport and the woman was like I'm really worried Trump's going to win I was like oh really yeah yeah because I mean back here it was all Hillary's going to win yeah, yeah, this guy's not serious <laughs> and the following Friday was the election I think and then the following Sunday they were protesting outside Trump Tower and Snow and like wow this is this is a metaphor like, you know this is kind of <laughs> yeah. this is a bit too on the nose really like you know the sun this is the last the last days of Rome and it was uh, yeah it was quite striking and I think the RFU probably regretted the fact that they stayed in Trump's hotel afterwards. But I think that it was an Irish connection. The manager was Irish or something. Right. They were well looked after and everything. It was, yeah, it was. But they had options. Deep dish pizza. All the I'm, food. I'm sure, yeah, everything. All the, the food. Yeah. All tried. Yeah. Yeah. But the architecture is stunning. Incredible yeah. place. Like, yeah. I haven't been back. I did. Ireland played there in they played Italy a couple of years later and it was my sister's wedding was on so I didn't make it but I'm hoping they'll do another I, I'm happy for these junkets to happen if, if I can get to go yeah. Yeah. the Chicago yeah. Science Museum if anyone hasn't been obviously as a space kick I'm going to recommend that as well but yeah. the Museum of Science and Industry I think it is the Apollo 8 capsule the first uh, flight around the moon was is on display there so definitely check it out if you're you've been there yeah well I've been to Chicago but it was only for a few nights but I've been to that particular museum and it's uh, it's epic okay. but the, boat, the boaters are Oh, it's incredible, yeah. If anybody wants to bring us over to do the show, the AM show is actually the best show to bring over to <laughs> the evening show. It doesn't really work from a time perspective. Well, we're we sure an anniversary of, of uh, Chicago coming up soon. Like, you know, the manufacturer one, anyway. The sixth We'll bring Conor Murray, you know, we'll, we'll remember the day. Sounds good. Uh, so, Maro Atoje is next. Yeah, um, and I could have picked either of Maro Atoje's performances in, against New Zealand, either for the Lions in... 
July 2017 as I look at it or in that World Cup semi-final which I was at in Yokohama in 2019 two years later um, I've never seen a player dominate a game like Mario Otoje can do and when he's on it he is just magnificent he he just I don't know what it is about him but his force of personality his incredible athletic ability his skill set um, he just strikes fear in, op- in opponents that no one else can he's physically dominant he has a charisma that you can see from the stand <laughs> which is a really weird thing to say but you can you can hear him sometimes like the clo- closed doors matches you could hear him barking 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 all the time he's in people's faces people don't like him because he's he's playing for England against Ireland and that's fair enough but he lived in Ireland you know, between Sar- Saracens and England like he, he haunted Ireland for about three or four years there and in this game you know the game that turned the series around um, for the Lions you know like 9 except for they got the job done this time um, he was just phenomenal and he, he gives away a lot of penalties frustrates people he was he, he, he made he wasn't perfect by any means but he lived on the edge and by the end the entire stand was singing Omar Otoje to the end of Seven Nation Army it's not right not very original but it was pretty it was pretty <laughs> effective and he was he was brilliant that day and again two years later he backed it up against New Zealand again on an arguably a bigger game for England in a World Cup semi-final he was he was phenomenal there's a there's a trend there like Carney being 23 in that year with the Lions Atoje the youngest member of the squad I'm just reading there mm. and he was 22 at the time like the obli- the obliviousness of youth in some ways when it comes to the Lions probably Atoje and Carney in those instances didn't didn't think about the the weight of the occasion it was clearly just go for it and enjoy yourself no and he's a deep thinker Atoje he's he's he comes across quite arrogant sometimes when he's when he's doing interviews and things, but when he sits down and, and does a, a proper sit down interview, he, he comes across as a really intelligent. Um, he, he, he there's more to life than rugby kind of mm. figure, um, but when he gets out there, he's an incredible competitor. It does seem strange that Eddie Jones had that weird pop in his book about him not being captain material, and needs to. I'm like, well, would you not just make him captain and see what happens? I've always thought that he's a, like a really obvious choice for captain. No, I've never been in a dressing room with him, but he. He's so he's so important to every team that he's in. He he is the alpha in the room, and maybe he's not great at making speeches. And, and Jones had a go at Emirati Kanu as well, so maybe he doesn't like players who court the limelight away from their sport, and that's part of it as well. But I mean, Eddie courts the limelight away from his sport uh, quite he's a bit. So also it's a, getting got Eddie two jobs, like yeah, well two. He's got about ten, and you know, and he and he. I suppose part of what he does in the media is to take the pressure away from the players, and he wants the players to focus on the job, but. Like I told you, he's That's never let him down. His, um, like, I told you, even when they were going really... Like, England go boom and bust quite a lot. Yeah. Even when they're terrible, I think I told you, is still brilliant. And sometimes he pushes, especially when Saracens got relegated, he pushes it and he's trying to do things he, he's not able to do because he hasn't been playing at the highest level. But he's still... He'd be the first name on my team sheet. He'd be my captain on any team I'm in. And on that day, he yeah. was just... Um, he was first to everything, you know. It was a day. It was a day for it was. It was a. It was a difficult night in Wellington. A difficult stadium to play in. Lions were one 0 down after being fairly bullied in the first test, and they did fight their way back into it with that magnificent try that Sean O'Brien finished off. They the got Liam hammered break. for about sixty minutes in the first test. A bit like O'Neill, which happened the same the same way, and they finished strong and and they scored that try from the end of the world. Liam Williams started it under his own, you know, in his own twenty two, and O'Brien finished it off brilliantly. Um, but in this game, Murray actually. Scores a try in it, uh, I think. Uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, or maybe it was all kicks. Maybe Murray scored a try in the first in the first test. I'm getting confused. But Atoje is 
his his work in tight, his mall work, his his work in the air was was phenomenal. He was ripping balls off lads he was in lads faces like you're playing against the world champions at the time it was before the their sheen was gone oh, they were and they were starting best. to decline no I think they were starting to decline they were at their best at the World Cup final in 2015 they were starting to come back to the pack but no one realised it yet mm. but he could see that there was weakness there and he was up against the Metallic and Whitelock and he was like I don't think who you are <laughs> I'm just going to be I'm going to bully you I'm 22 I'm the best player on this pitch and he was you know there's no even like the, the, the O'Connell line breaks and stuff, there's no great moment where he, where he bursts through or he shines. Like, I watched highlights of him this, the, the, again last night and like they're all nuts and bolts things, but it's he does tackles, them so I, well. I hear it's like a Maro Atoje controversial performance and it's like four minutes of him tackling and not being pushed back at any stage, not taking Getting in people's faces. He's, yeah, the dominant tackle stat that arrived two years later when he was brilliant again in Dublin in that 19 game where England derailed Ireland's Entire project under Joe Schmidt, like he was great. That's another day you could have picked for him or to Alagi. You know that was that was a magnificent individual performance as well. When it, when Atoje's good, he's 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 it's enthralling to watch, and he dominates fixtures in a way that I, I've never seen any other rugby player do. I I did see Lomu live once in Dublin, but it was towards the end of his career. Um, I'm sure if I'd seen Lomu in '95, I'd feel the same way about him. But again, it's a team, very much a team game. It's very all the cohesion and all that sort of stuff and how the parts interlink sometimes one player just rises above it and is is, is so much is so dominant that you can just tell that he's a special player well I know like throwing numbers at people doesn't sometimes paint the best of pictures but on that Lions tour just reading here Atoje made 49 tackles on the tour 45 carries 3 turnovers 12 line out wins and a steal like that's Sheer dominance by any by any stretch. Yeah, and and, and that tour was hard because they, they you know they played against good teams every week and you know he was part of a Gatlin got it pretty right in that one. They played against they played the first team against Crusaders against the Maori and then against in the in the test mm-hmm. test series. So he didn't play any against any bad teams on that tour. Um, it was a really good like the line. I mean, Lions is always obviously a good team, but that Lions team, I think, when you look at the names in the paper, it was pretty. You know, Pete Johnny Sexton, although he was coming into he, he played his way into form, Sexton Farrell playing together, it was. You know they should they should potentially have won the series under it. You know Sean O'Brien was very critical of Gatlin at the end of it, and particular Rob Howley's attacking strategy. Um, you'd have to agree with him, but I suppose Gatlin can say, "Look, I drew a series in New Zealand." Yeah, Not, you know that's that's a pretty good achievement. Yeah, Gatlin had uh, plenty to fight back with. He took the stuff out of his pocket that night. We had him over, and um, we realised that the beef was real. Um, <laughs> I, I like in my head, Rocky Elson had a kind of similar impact on Leinster that one season. Yeah. But like, I don't know if he actually dominated games so much as had big moments in three games in yeah, a row. Yeah, actually, like, again, like, you know, now that you say it, like that 9 semi-final against Munster, Elson was phenomenal that day um, at Crow Park. I was on Hill 16, so, you know, I probably wasn't in the greatest place to analyse the game. Yeah. Um, probably had a couple of points as well because at that point I hadn't become a working journalist, so I was enjoying myself. But, uh, yeah, Elson had... At a time, you know, some great performances, um, and yeah, single-handedly, not single-handedly, because that was a good team, but they needed someone like that who just didn't give a damn to come yeah. along well, without funny. the baggage of history and, and, and just and Conor Murray did the same star. in that Ireland performance. It's like that level of that, those performances where you get over the line for the first time. I think always have more resonance for for fans, um, mm. and I suspect for the players who are involved as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that's the. You can only make history once, you know. Like that team in Chicago and that 09 team will always be the the, the team that, that broke the duck, and and no one can take that away from them. Even though, you know, I'm sure they're looking at every time Ireland beat New Zealand, their 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 chance at gala dinners and stuff is diminishing. I mean, some of them have beaten them loads of times. Sexton's been on the pitch for every one of them, and Murray has. Well, Murray missed one of them, but he's been there for most of them as well. Yeah. 
I hadn't realised until the most recent Lions tour the tradition of giving the, the mascot the little lion to the to the youngest yeah. member of the squad. So obviously that would have been a Toji in that year, but it's something that they should keep going. I think that's that's a it's a nice little tradition to to let the youngest know that they're yeah. They're still I, like the, the lions, it's, lions is weird because whenever I go on it, I think it's a magnificent thing, and then I watch the last one from afar. I covered it from afar, and like the Sky Sports stuff, just great on me, and like a lot of the hype around it and the immortality beckons stuff um, can be can wear people quite thin quite quickly but when you're there and you see the legion of fans who come over and what it means to the players and like just the calibre of the games um, and yeah those things like I think in terms of squad building like again the 97 documentary built I think is what the modern lines is built on and that's the kind of thing that they were doing and they're basically all copying that and it is it is like because they tried to hide it on them I said they weren't doing too much messing on the OJ though like you, know, you can bully <laughs> Lee Halfpenny was the Lee Halfpenny was the, the, the youngest player in 09 like you know he was tiny and young and quite callow looking whereas like you're not going to be hiding them doing much to a OJ to kind of uh, to catch him out like he's terrifying he will come for you for yeah. sure uh, right that is this week's you had to be there with Roy O'Connor good stuff Thanks, man. So unexpected. You had to be there. Covering Celtic at that time was a brilliant thing. The atmosphere at Parkhead was always great. You had to be there. Nobody ever talks about this game. Nobody saw it. Uh, you had to be there. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.